All right, another pet chat. Here we go. And uh, we've got the gang in today. Firstly, uh, Julie Tolliday, good welcome to you. We're having a look at all things behavioural today. We are indeed. Very exciting stuff. All right, we'll talk about your guest in uh, just a sec here. And a lady who's decided to uh, bolt up the stairway. She was almost late. Uh, Dr Fiona, firstly, good day. Catch your breath. <laughs> you gave it away. Well, I was, I was about to say, no, I'm about to give you a huge pump here because when the weather started, well, when the weather was about to start, you were parked outside. Somehow you've locked the car door, ran up a flight of stairs, got in here, said all right, hello, and jumped into that chair. And I even signed in at the front desk too. I No. Yeah. How? Speedy. There was two minutes on the dot. She doesn't sound <laughs> puffed out. Meanwhile, me walking in next door to grab the fan needs a rest. <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, we've got to talk about your special guest um, uh, today, Julie. I'll tell you, this Steve Austin guy, he sounds like a real character. I mean, 13 years of old, uh, uh, years of age, training his dog, sooty at the time, to entertain crowds outside the pub. And that went on to, to a career of obedience training. Yeah. And, and further than that, like well, amazing... Awards. Amazing work with drug detection, um, uh, um, bomb detection. Um, in Sydney, he's trained dogs for Sydney Water to detect leaks in the pipes of the processed water. Wow. And those bo- dogs can detect three metres down and they'll stop and indicate and Sydney Water knows to dig there and fix the leak in the pipe. And today he'll uh, be trying to keep our dogs away from snakes and other wildlife and as well. wildlife. But yeah. other than that, he hasn't really done much at all, has he? <laughs> not, not much at all. <laughs> He's done bugger all. <laughs> all right, that's Pet Chat today. Julie, your special guest uh, is Steve Austin. He gave a massive rap to a couple of minutes ago. Yeah, I always give him a massive rap. How are you, Steve? I'm well. How are you going today? Pretty well. Now I'm going to tr- I'm going to kick this off. I know you talk more than I do, so we should be right. We are in um. real trouble then. <laughs> <laughs> so we know that your love of dogs makes you want to keep them safe from snakes, and mm-hmm. your love of wildlife wants to m- keep the wildlife safe from dogs. So how are you going to do that? How do you do that? We know you're well, an expert. Yeah. Look, it's very important that we understand that snakes kill dogs, and it's very important to understand that we have some. Very wonderful wildlife, snakes, lizards and other reptiles, and we want them safe from dogs as well. So the course that we run for the snake aversion course is that we present this dog to a snake. The snake is the one that makes the correction by remote spray collar, which we put on the dog a few days before, a few weeks before, and then when the dog grows up to the snake, we press the button, the spray, either citronella or air, will spray the dog, and then it'll back the dog off, and the dog thinks the snake did it. So not only does the snake not get injured by the dog or other reptiles, because we can do what's called a scent association with that, but we also protect the dog from being killed. And if we can do that, Julie, we are doing something very, very well and very, very correct. Uh, yeah, well, that definitely you've got me convinced, but there are mm. some people who reckon you could just use a rubber snake or you could just use a snake skin. You know, you can, mm. you can tell the dog to mm. leave it. Just leave That's it. That's right. We can also, you probably learn to drive a car by, by a computer as well if you wanted to. You could put a computer, you know, a stimulator down on the car and do all that sort of business. You've got to do it real. This is, we cannot muck around with a rubber snake. A rubber snake is exactly a rubber snake. 
and it's not a, a real snake. And we don't use dead snakes either. We use a real live snake because of the movement and so forth. It's something we cannot fool with, and I believe strongly with all my dog training that I do that if you are going to train pro- properly and correctly, you have to do it first class, and we use what's called a positive reinforcement, and we use what's called a negative punishment in all our dog training, and if we have to use a positive punishment, which basically means the dog gets an uncomfortable feeling when it sees sees the snake, I'd rather that happen than get a dead dog and or a dead snake. Yes, I couldn't agree more and the hardest thing I think is to convince the people who are a bit precious about their dogs, oh, I don't want them to have that spray in their face, they won't like the feel of it. Mm. And your response to Mm. that is about, uh, well... Well, do you want a dead dog? Yeah, exactly right. Do you want a dead dog or do you want that dog to look at a snake when it sees it or smells it or sees it moving, it backs away and says, you know what? I'm going to leave that guy alone. The snake, the reptile has a happy life. And just as importantly, your dog has a happy life too. And the expense that we spend on the course and maybe the collar certainly outweighs the expense and the heartache if we have to take the dog to the vet. And if we get to the vet on time, maybe we get the antivermin into the dog and it's and vets work very hard and, and they you know they have to cover their costs. It's ex- very, very expensive, Just and if that's if we can save the dog. So an ounce of prevention is worth 10 tonnes of cure in this, in this environment that, I, that I'm talking to you today about. Steve, got to ask you, um, you sort of got into working with dogs with your first dog back at age 13, entertaining the crowds outside the pub. What were you doing with Sooty? I trained my... What, what, what was the entertainment? Yeah. With a dog, yeah. yeah. It, it was a very good... Was I used to go on Thursday nights, which was pay night in those days, and no one got paid. Everyone got paid cash in those days, of course. And I trained my dog to balance a schooner of beer on his head. Brought the house down, mate. Brought the house down. I, 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 I went home, and I might be, maybe as a young fellow, I might have had a shanty or two. I'm not saying I did or didn't, but I could have. And my mother said to me, you know, what's going on? And then smelt my breath and I said, well, mum, look, here's a couple of pounds. And then I was earning good money. I was earning really good money. So mum sort of tried, you know, turned a blind eye in those days because, uh, you know, it, we didn't have a dad. My dad died when I was uh, nine, so it was quite, quite good to get that going, that's for sure. I reckon, Steve, that the only reason the dog could do it, you were all impressed by because everyone else had already had a couple, so there's no way the rest of you could do it. It was up to Sooty. You, good on you. You were right on the ball there. I, I, I always struck around about half past nine, caught the ten just before closing, and uh, it's a one. It's wonder what sometimes the the couple of beers will see in eyes that a couple of no beers I see sometimes. You know? Fair enough, Steve. Well, look, um, a, a great bit of advice there today, and uh, Julie, we've certainly learned a couple of things. Absolutely, well, thank and I, you. I love the Sooty story, and and Steve, I'll be in touch soon. Okay, well, we have a we have a a, a, a a version work going up your way soon. So get in touch with the station if anyone wants any more info, and I'll be more than happy to help as many people as I possibly can save their dogs. All right, Steve Austin, thank you so much for your time across Newcastle and the Hunter Two in URFM one hundred three point seven. Doctor Fiona is here, as is uh, Julie Tolliday. Who, uh, Julie, I just heard you before you come on. You you're trying to get some scab, some free veterinary <laughs> advice from Doctor Fiona. So <laughs> you're sharing is caring.
Okay. Well, it's not really free for me. Um, I saw a... Uh, You get to pass this on to someone else and look like a hero. And look like (laughs) a a genius. That's what I'm looking for. So I I saw a a nine-year-old... Um, Staffy cross, 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 cross today, <laughs> nine years old, healthy looking dog. It's been rehomed two years ago from the woman's niece. The, the dog is, um, and, and came into the home fine and it's walked happily on the lead, but now it doesn't want to walk on the lead. So yeah, okay. it gets in the car happily. They get to where they're going, uh-uh. They try to walk it up the driveway, uh-uh. What would you look at as a vet? Like behaviourally, I've tried to help that dog feel more comfortable with a new environment. Like take the car somewhere, do a snuffle mat, do a few find-its on the ground. We put a long line on today and we just let the dog choose how far out it wanted to go. And it Mm. went really well. Mm. But what if there was a medical? What medical stuff would you look for? Yeah, good question. Um, At that age, you'd certainly be starting to want to screen for your old age issues. Um, things like it's whether it's got good vision anymore, um, you know, whether it's struggling to perceive depth or whether it's struggling with shadows, that sort of thing. Um, you know, it might be reluctant to walk because it can't see properly where it's going. So definitely that would be one thing. So that's interesting because today we threw white chicken on Asheville. Mm. So there was a contrast and it didn't have any problem. It okay. was also smelling it. Yes. Okay. Yep. Yep. So sight, hearing probably less so than sight and then certainly joint pain. So whether we've got signs of arthritis, whether we're reluctant to walk, you know, for example, my driveway is really steep. So the dogs often, you know, an arthritic dog would maybe struggle to go up or struggle to go down. Um, You'd want to check it for neck pain, back pain, limb pain, arthritis, those sorts of things. That would probably be a good, good start. So I've sent her to one of my favourite vets. So, <laughs> that's a good start. Yeah. So that's great. Thank you. Pleasure. I like to learn that too. Thank you. Yes. All right. Anytime we can just throw that free advice around. In fact, that's what it's all about for Pet Chat. If you have a question for our team this afternoon, uh, whether it's a dog, cat, they'll fix your bird, your snake, hubby, whatever it is. <laughs> and uh, if I keep saying that, no one ever has any hubby problems for you, ladies. I wonder why. Then, no? I don't know if I'm qualified beyond, to comment. It's beyond your scope of, yes. of skill set. They ask me if I can train their husbands <laughs> or like their that. children. Yes. And I'm a, previously a school teacher and I just go, no, I've done enough kids. You're at, the answer is, look, pets are easier, <laughs> much easier. Um, look, before we get back up onto the course there, I know, ladies, it's not that far away. Easter time, and of course, that means chocolate. Chocolates. Now we can feed our dog chocolates, right? Okay. No. <laughs> no, we can't. Short answer: No. Mm. Okay. Thank you for that. <laughs> uh, so, well, so, no, it, c- it contains a mm. toxic ingredient, and the more chocolate, the more dark chocolate is in it, uh, the more toxic it is. So, the sort of got milk chocolate, uh, sorry, white chocolate, milk chocolate, and dark chocolate. Essentially, don't feed it. Uh, if you do, call your vet, not seven hours later, like right then, Yeah, and they can give you advice. So time is really of the essence Very if much all so. of a sudden you go through and you yes. see the dog ripping the cellophane yes. off. And, you know. Yes, call your vet ASAP. <laughs> all right, keep in mind, chocolates could be stored in the house for quite a while coming up to Easter. So. And in handbags left on the ground and school bags left oh, open. Oh, easy, easy and to do, isn't it? And yeah, yeah. G'day, Mark from Edgeworth. You have a question on flea control today. Yes, I do. I've got two mini foxies. Yeah. One of them, if it gets one flea bite, it'll scratch itself to pieces. Yeah. The other one doesn't seem to care. Okay. 
Yep. So now with the, with the one that does, mm-hmm. um, my wife does, she's one of those Google search girls. Yeah. And she's found that negative results on giving the dogs the tablets, the digestive ones. So she's a bit funny not to give them that. So we've used the spot button that goes on the back of their neck. Yeah. And it doesn't seem to work too much for the, the one that does get affected. She Well, we think it's fleas. Okay. Like, what do you think? What's your advice? Do you advise that it's okay to take these? Yeah, the good, good question, Mark. And certainly in Newcastle, in this sort of hot, humid conditions, flea control, in my opinion, is absolutely non-negotiable. Um Certainly, the difference that you've got with your two mini foxies is just the same that two siblings, one can have a reaction to something and one can't. Um, yep. So you definitely, definitely need to be protecting all the animals in the house. If there's any cats, definitely protecting them and all the pets in the household. Um, now, there are some brilliant, brilliant products out there for flea protection. Yep. There yep. are also probably some not so effective products. Um, I would definitely be getting um, a product from your local vet. Okay. Yep. Um, there is a bit of resistance to any of the supermarket products. Yep. Um in terms of giving a tablet versus a spot on, I think both, if used according to direction from your vet, are equally effective. Wow. Um, there are pros and cons to using both, but I give my two dogs an oral flea and tick chew every month, um, and yep. I haven't had any problems. Also, consider um, whether your environment needs control as well, because fleas can live and flea eggs can live in the environment for a really, really long time. I've got a big backyard. Yeah, yeah. Have you and moved it, recently or it's always been no, a problem? It's always been a problem. Yeah. Yeah. So I would so, I would suggest Mark giving your vet your local vet a call and, and finding out some products that they recommend. Oh, that's good advice. So I can assure her that you you use the tablets. And I have for years. <laughs> okay. Well, I'd like to talk her into that. So I might I'll go and do that now. Fiona said. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. All right, good on you, Fiona. I'm going to take a punt on this one. Uh, good afternoon, Pat at Shortland. Keep in mind, uh, we need to be family friendly, Pat, but you have a, uh, a Ridgeback at home. You want to have a crack yeah. at this one? Yeah. And he's naughty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's in my pillow, my quilts, and himself. Okay. Is he de-sexed, Pat? No, he um he's only just turned two, and um he was dumped dumped on me when he was eight weeks old. Okay, all right. Well, certainly it sounds like we've got a, a lot of testosterone floating around his system. Um, yeah. If he's getting a bit excited on the furniture or your leg or whatever it happens, no, not my legs, not my legs, my pillows, my doona. <laughs> what it, whatever it yeah. happens to be, certainly I think um you know desexing is something that I would strongly recommend for other reasons as well. Um, and also something to consider is it's not always hormonal. It can, you know, you can be doing it for other reasons as well. But, um, yeah, see, yeah. see how you go when you... Um, problem. Sorry? I think he's got a psychological problem. <laughs> and also just distracting as well. Like if he's doing it, give him something else that he might like, um, you know, to distract if he's food orientated, um, give him something that might distract him as well. All right, thanks for that. Best of luck for you, Pat. G'day, Mick at Fern Bay. Your uh, lorikeet is molting. You want to have a yarn about that with our team today, Mick? Yes, please. 
Okay, what's that, uh, what's the story with the, with the uh, with the bird there, Mick? Mate, he's, he's losing the hairs, the feathers on his chest, and there's a couple of other people in the village with Laura Keats, and theirs is doing the same thing. And I'm just wondering, is it normal for this time of year for for that to happen? Um, Mick, you have got me in one. I don't know. Oh, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> um, yeah, I do a lot of work with a lot of animals, but birds, I must admit, is yeah. not my strength. But there are some great um, great vet clinics in Newcastle who could answer your question uh, yeah. very easily. He's, he's, just gone, he's not as vocal as he was. Uh, he's still pretty vocal with his whistling and his wolf whistles and whatnot and, mm. and that. And, and I'm thinking, I don't know whether they're just getting old or... Or whether it's it's not, but anyway, um, yeah, it was yeah, worth a try. Yeah, I, I'm terribly sorry. You should call up when Dr. Kimball is on. She's great with birds. All right, keep that in mind. Thanks so much, Mick, and hope uh, you, you all get to the bottom of that. Uh, Julie Tolliday is here. Dr. Fiona is here. As is Sandy from Bolwara. Sandy, you've got your five month old puppy. What have you got there, Sandra? She's a cavoodle. Uh, yeah. Her name is Maggie. Oh, I bet she's adorable. She is absolutely <laughs> Does she rule the house? Uh, yes. That's a not. yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Um, so you had a question about how far you should walk her. Yeah, we like to do it, and she's on the lead all the time. She's really, really good on the lead. Mm-hmm. Um, and we like to do a morning walk mm-hmm. and an afternoon walk. Yep. I'm thinking that half a day might be sufficient for the walk. My husband's thinking, no, we can go a little bit further. So hence giving you a call just to ask what you think. Sure, Sandy. I apologise. You cut out there again just for a moment. How far are you currently walking her? About half a kilometre each walk. Okay. All right. And is she tolerating that well and happy and interested? Yes, because we do it early morning and then we do it late afternoon. So she's not getting affected by the heat. Yep, excellent. Yeah. So are you doing that walk over, is that sort of 20 minutes or how, 10 minutes? Yeah, about 20 minutes, 20? about 20 minutes. Yep, yep, because yep, she has a bit of a sniff at this and a sniff at that. So Yeah. Look, yeah. I, I would say you could, you know, you could probably quite happily go up to half an hour twice a day. Um, okay. What you don't want to be doing is taking her for really long runs or really long walks or doing things that are jarring her joints like, you know, sharp turns when she's catching a tennis ball at the park, that sort of thing. Um, but, you know, leisurely walking on the lead, I do. I wouldn't have a problem with a, you know, okay. easy okay. 30 minutes morning and night I think would be absolutely yeah, yeah. fine for her. Yeah, that sounds good. And it is um, an easy walk because we're... Uh, folks, so um, yeah, she just has a nice, nice, steady walk. Perfect. Sounds great. Enjoy. All right. All the best with that, Sandy. So it looks like they are going to be exercising a little bit more in the morning. So yes. the dog might be able to handle it. If they can handle it, that's probably the other thing. Absolutely. <laughs> Slow and steady building it up sounds like a plan. We may be able to squeeze one or two more in. Our well, lovely ladies are here waiting for you. Uh, of course, Sir Julie Tolliday, Dr Fiona as well. But if you're thinking about adding an additional family member, uh, the gang at uh, Dog Rescue Newcastle Dog of the Week is up on our uh, our website at 2NURFM.com.au. And what do you reckon, ladies? An eight-week-old eight week wolfhound cross by the name of Elton. So we're not going to forget that name you know, Look, <laughs> straight uh, up. Wolfhound cross just makes me think big. Yeah. <laughs> He's not going to be a handbag puppy. Definitely um, not. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, 
getting a puppy, there are lots of amazing, wonderful things about having a puppy. You do have much more opportunity, I guess, to mould and influence their behaviour. Get it right at the start. Yes, but, you know, with with a puppy comes responsibility and effort and time and putting the time and effort into the training to create the dog that you want to have in your family. Well, I mean, just having a look through uh, the information on Elton right there, I mean, he's happy, cuddly, very playful. Um, so, yeah, doing all the puppy all things. All those puppy things, the digging, chewing the, the shoes. Chewing. And, yes, digging <laughs> in that. the plants. And, yes. Um, yeah, so, look, typical puppy things. Um, I think he's more than likely going to be big and beautiful and a great family pet. Um, definitely, you know, toilet training is a big one when you bring a new puppy home. They're still working out where the toilet is, where it is and isn't allowed to to go, so that can be a big one. Julie, you raised your eyes there when oh, toilet I just, training I came just, in. I can't resist. I need to give a couple <laughs> of hints. So the first one is that it's a dog, not a human, and they toilet differently to us. When they need to go, they just go. So it's our responsibility to set them up to know that the toilet is outside, not inside. The only way to do it is to confine your puppy indoors until it knows that it's not to go inside. So how do you do that? You can do it with a puppy pen. You can do it with a crate. You can do it with absolutely high vigilance supervision and get that dog out onto the grass before it's had a chance to do it inside. And when they go to the toilet on the grass, you're going to give a marker word, if you like, say yes, and give them abundant treats for doing that. Then you're going to take them back inside. And if you can't watch them, they've got to be put back in the crate or back in the pen. Now, the pen is big enough for them to sleep and toilet in. I don't love puppy pads because that's not the same feel and smell as what grass is. You'd be better to put a patch of grass into the puppy pen so that when the dog feels it needs to go, it's not going to go in its own bed. It's going to seek a spot away from the bed. And if that spot is a patch of grass, then you're half doing it in the pen. The other thing is that if you put them in a crate that's small enough they're not going to go in their bed and, unless they really get forced to do it. I'll tell you what, though. Imagine that if he learns uh, that the patch of grass is, is the is the place to go. By the time he's outside, he's going to go, the entire world is my yeah, toilet. it's one big toilet. <laughs> this is and that's so what exciting. We want. Yeah, so keeping them in the crate and having them innately go, I don't want to wee my bed, means that they're going to learn to hold a little bit earlier and when you take them out onto the grass, they're going to definitely go and you're going to definitely give them reinforcement. Yeah. doesn't take them long. All right. Uh, again, keep in mind, uh, big, large fences. He does love uh, humans, so loves, love people, so need to be welcomed into a family home. Uh, and, yes, obviously that toilet training, keep that in mind, and you've got to be able to walk him, exercise, and uh, at least those five Ks, for, uh, for half a K, Fiona, at least. Yes, yes. <laughs> Small walks regularly. All right, if you'd like some more information about Elton, uh, all you do is you head up to our webpage, uh, 2NURFM.com.au, and find the Pet Chat page, and you can follow all the links through there today. Last one today, Cheryl at Malibula. Well, I've got about a minute for you, Cheryl. Your two-year-old, uh, Jack Russell, uh, was also uh, leaving some puddles around the house as well. Yeah, yeah, she was de-sexed oh, as a puppy, and she's been really good, but just... Uh, over the last maybe three weeks, I've found little puddles around, mainly over a night, like when I get up in the morning, mm-hmm. she goes to the toilet first thing. And she's very tapped into 
keeps you sensitive and aware of your moods and everything. And mm. there have been a few changes and noise and stuff. And I don't know whether this is a physiological problem or probably an anxiety thing. Yeah, good question, Cheryl. Uh, so you're saying she's only just started it in the last couple of weeks? Yep. 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 And is it is she leaving puddles? Are you, are you noticing when she's awake or when she's asleep? Where are you noticing no. those puddles? Oh, well, it can. it's only ever on the tiles, not on the carpet, but mm-hmm. it's not in a particular spot really. It's just random. Mm. Is she doing it when she's awake or asleep? Oh, it would be when she's awake. Okay, all right. Look, the first thing I definitely do, Cheryl, is to try and get a urine sample and get your vet to analyse it to see whether she's got a urinary tract infection because um, uh-huh. that could certainly be one of the symptoms. And there's a couple of other conditions sometimes when they get desexed really early. Um, oh. But, yeah, I'd, I'd suggest yeah. Give, your, give your vet a call. All right, so start there, Cheryl. All the best with it. Gladys, we've run out of time, so thank you so much, uh, Dr. Fiona. You've spent the last hour catching your breath after that run-up, sir, so well done <laughs> to you. I think I think we've covered the toilet training today. <laughs> yeah. Good thing we had Julie, Julie <laughs> Holliday, our behaviourist as well, to cover that as well. Yeah, I'd like to contribute. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>